only see the highlights, don't know what it takes Last year stressing, got no sleep Now I'm right between the courts, out of no sleep Welcome to episode 7 of Behind the Underdogs, powered by the Underdog brand. I'm your host, Joey Staniti, and I'm joined by one co-host, Dylan Shewitt. Tonight, we are once again missing Colin Cunningham, and yes, I'm calling him out. Uh, he's probably in the Cape right now, per usual, as he is every weekend. Uh, we're we're kind of bummed out. He is in the interview here and there. He was late to that as well. Um, but yeah, so Dylan, how you doing, man? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, we got a good topic today, I think. Uh, it's one that me and you kind of, I guess, struggle with. I feel like a lot of athletes struggle with, so I'm excited to talk about that. And we also have an unbelievable uh, guest on today, Scott Lutris, played in the NFL. He was a stud in college and in high school, so um, we're excited about that. But, yeah, you got anything before we get to the intro? No, just excited. This no. is a, it was a good interview, yeah. and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. New, uh, new, lovely recording studio. Uh, just oh, cracking yeah. it out. Just sitting in uh, in my new bedroom. So I'm pumped. It's a busy day. Alone in his new apartment. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see who's over there with you. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be just me. <laughs> maybe, yeah, Ab- know, <laughs> maybe Abby, probably Shane, or little brother will be over. Yeah, right. her. <laughs> oh god. But uh yeah, so little update um for people who have ordered or pre-ordered the sleeveless hoodie. Uh shipments are going out this week. And once the pre-order is over, the price is going up uh eight to ten dollars. I haven't decided yet on that, but uh get your pre-orders in because the price is gonna go up. And yeah, we have, I've been working on a new concept, Dylan, I told you about it. Uh, it is classified information <laughs> right now, but it, it should be very interesting if we can pull it off. So, um, but yeah, let's get to the intro topic because I'm excited to talk about this. So, uh, we're going to be talking about people, I guess a better way of saying this is people who can't disconnect from the grind, the daily grind, whatever it is, whether it's work life or the athlete life, but we're going to stick to the athlete life for now. And we're going to talk about how we disconnect or at least try to disconnect. So Dylan, you can start this one off if you'd like. Okay. Let's uh, we'll go in season uh, for this one to start. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's do that. There's a lot of different categories you can go with. So yeah, let's do that. Probably because that's the, the biggest grind. And when you're in oh, season yeah. and you're playing, you know, two or three games a weekend for a number of weeks in a row. Sometimes we're, you know, we're playing eight weeks like that, where it's practice during the week. You play Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday, and and you do it over again. So, for me, probably the biggest thing is, you know, we we're always getting a day off, at least one day off after the games, whether it's going to be Sunday or that Monday. And I take that day to not think, like I don't think about hockey, you know. I'll do something active. I'll stretch, you know, do maybe do our recovery workout. Uh, when I was at the bill, let's take the dogs for a walk, like something active, get my body moving and, and just try and try and recover as much as I can. But I'm not thinking about hockey. I'm just getting away, focus on nutrition, get a good sleep and just do something active to get my mind off the game. And uh, yeah, just try and enjoy the day as much as I can. Um, and then that kind of leads to, you know, every However it was, you know, this season will be different, but every two or three months we have an off weekend and just to get away from the game, like whether it's, you know, you go, you go on the Cape or you're with the boys, just 
something other than hockey. And I know that can be tough, especially when we're so addicted to it. We, you know, we're often, I know you and me were taking advantage of that and we'd be working out on the Friday, Saturday, like, Oh, we got an off weekend or, you know, we're training, but I think at the same time, it can be good just to get away, disconnect and, and focus on other things, focus on other things going on in life and, and just get away from the game. Yeah. I want to touch on two things that you mentioned. And one is actually making use of that off day. Cause I feel like a lot of guys, um, well, at least for me, I'll start with me and then we can talk about, you know, what other athletes are doing. But for me, like if we just play a Friday, Saturday, like that's Saturday night, I'll either lift or skate more and I'll just like put in the work that night. And then that Sunday, I just chill mm-hmm. at least sometimes like, you know, it depends if I have something to work on. Like if I'll have something to work on, I'll try and get to the rink early on Sunday and then just take the rest of the day off. But that's like, you know, a very, not rare occasion, but you know, if I'm, if I'm dead tired, I'll make sure that, you know, I take that Sunday off because you've seen it a lot of pro athletes too. The ones who go hard for too long, they go stale. And then at that point, their performance just dips off. And obviously then you, you hit a slide and that's never fun. I feel like every athlete's definitely been there at one point or another. Yeah. Um, and then what did, what did you just finish with? I had something to say about that. Um, disconnecting, you know, when we have an off weekend, just getting away and, and try not to focus on the game, focus on other things. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's two different perspectives. You could look at that. Um, for us, I feel like say we have an off weekend and we're playing good going into that off weekend. We're like, shit, you know, like, I don't want this off weekend. I want yeah. to keep playing. Yeah. I want to keep Definitely rolling. hundred percent. Yeah. And then there's also the other way. It's like, you're not playing good. And one person could look at it and say, okay, this is a good time to take a break. And, you know, like, uh, recoup and, and, you know, get ready for the next stretch. But for someone who, you know, I feel like maybe me and you, right. Or you and I, I should say correct grammar. Uh, but you go into an off weekend, you're playing bad and you just want to get back on the ice and try and like work out those kinks. Mm-hmm. At least that's how I am. Um, cause it, Oh man, it sucks being off when you're not playing, not playing well. Uh, I mean, can you relate to that? Probably. Right. Oh yeah. And it goes both ways too. Like you say, there's, I know there's definitely times this season, you know, where we had our struggles and then all of a sudden we started to put the pieces together and, you know, we win a weekend, go two and all, and then all of a sudden we have the next weekend off and it's like, well, come on now, now we got the wheels rolling, you know? So it definitely goes both ways. And I guess I should be careful with my words too, because when I say disconnect and, and focus on other things and not think about the game, I, I mean, the, actual game of hockey everything i'm thinking about is still related to how i can progress and how can i reach my goal but that won't be yeah. on the ice or at practice i'm still doing something active just like you were something active and i'm focusing on my nutrition get a good sleep i'm not just you know being a slum and, and forgetting my goals i'm still focused on what i'm trying to accomplish and i'm still focused on my goal and, and my why so to speak why i'm here and why i'm doing this um that's just it's off the ice you know everyone needs a day or a weekend off the ice but that doesn't mean my goals have changed by any means and i my focus certainly hasn't changed i'm just doing yeah everything i can you know towards that goal away from the rink but and, and that's another thing uh before i forget because i'm like having dementia right now but <laughs> uh oh my god i actually just forgot what i was gonna say okay yeah yeah so taking that actual day off the physical day off but it can be even worse uh, 
you know, you have that day off, you're not doing anything physical, but sitting there and like, almost like feeling guilty that you're not doing something can be even worse in a anxiety and stressful way that is not good for the neurological part of the game. And obviously it affects your physical performance down the road. Definitely. Um, it yeah. definitely affects you mentally. And I think it depends on the person and it depends on the situation they're in too, but it definitely has an impact mentally on, on how you choose to use those off days and, and how other people view that. And, you know, for some guys, I'm not naming names, but I know a lot, a large portion of junior hockey players on that off day, they're, you know, they're partying after the weekend and they're using that day to freaking, you know, recover from their hangover. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they think that's yeah. normal. So it doesn't bother them. But I know if you or I did that, man, I, I'd feel like absolute shit. I'd be, I, I'd be so, I'd feel so guilty about myself. That's why I can't do it. I never do it. Cause I, I just mentally can't wrap my head around like, why would you do that in season or out of season? It doesn't even matter for me. Why would you do anything that would hinder your progress? You know, like it just doesn't click with me. So for me, that would mentally fuck with me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of things like, as, as you know, hockey or any sport for that matter is so much more of a mental game than it is a physical game. So if you know that you didn't do everything you could, you're going to go into that next game or that next practice, almost like hesitant on, you know, what you can actually do as mm. opposed to going in with proper nutrition, proper sleep, you know, proper recovery, you're going in feeling rested and you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. Well, exactly. You take that Sunday. Yeah. You have, you know, five or six good meals. Some people, maybe three or like whatever floats your boat, you know, but if you know, you did everything you could to prepare for the next week, like you say, good sleep and you're ready to go. It can be like, you just feel rejuvenated, you know, you're ready for another week of practice and, and mentally get ready for another weekend of games. So like you say, that's yeah. huge. Yeah. But, and uh, well, so going back to what I was saying um, in terms of disconnecting completely. Mm -hmm. So we're talking like maybe even at the end of a season, um, where this is the, this is your chance right when the season ends to fully recover, recover from any injuries. Um, you know, the mental strain that you've put on yourself throughout the whole season. It's a long season, man. You know, like you've oh, played yeah. more junior seasons than I have, obviously. Uh, so I can only imagine where you're coming from, but <laughs> you're, you're, you're looking at August to what beginning of May sometimes if you make the playoffs, right. Yep. Uh, and well, nowadays it's pretty much an all year thing that you're training for. So you're, you know, back in the day, in the 1970s and 1960s, nobody was playing hockey in the summer. <laughs> uh, so it's, a, it's obviously different nowadays, but going back to what I was saying at the end of the season, taking that, you know, week or two off, it's hard. It, it is. is so hard to disconnect. And honestly, I feel like injuries happen for a reason. Injuries is almost like, they're like a sign you need to give your body a break mm -hmm. and which is something I know both of us struggle with. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jesus dude, like there's been times I'll have a lower body injury and I'll go into the gym and be like, all right, I'm going to rip some upper body. Oh, I got a hamstring injury. Okay. I can, I can focus on my quads today. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. And you know, I've had some severe injuries as you have too, and you're still battling them. They're, they're nagging. Um, but yeah, back to the point. I keep straying from the point. So disconnecting, I feel like finding a hobby besides your 
main focus. So like for us, it's hockey or underdog for me, like disconnecting from those things, try to find a hobby. Like mine is country music. Country music is my heart and soul. Like Mm -hmm. I love it. And one thing I tried to do, but I was very, I'm very impatient is learn how to play the guitar. Really? Man, it is so hard. So hard. Yeah. I, I mean, I spent, I, yeah, so I have a guitar. It's actually my dad's old guitar. And I'd spend, I'd say from the middle of this past season, all the way to the end of the season, I'd try to spend at least 30 minutes every day. What the hell? I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I just try and fit it in here and there. And man, like during that time, I'm not thinking of anything besides trying to figure out how the hell to play the guitar. (laughs) I mean, and yeah, it's that's exactly what you want of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved it. But the thing is, is like this whole quarantine coronavirus thing, I, I couldn't get like proper instruction. So I'm like using some <laughs> app on my phone. And I you got some YouTube, dude, like how to play the guitar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got some, I got some dude yelling at me through the phone, like <laughs> play this chord, play that chord. I'm like, dude, I'm back at like the first chord. He's already on like the seventh one. So, uh, yeah, it's it, dude, man. I, I respect, uh, you know, guitarists and artists and singers it it is so much harder than i could ever imagine like so many people probably this you've seen it like growing up in middle school and high school they have uh like music class and people will play different instruments and stuff and i never did anything like that did you oh in so when i was in medicine hat in my hometown in uh sixth and seventh grade we had band class and I played the trombone. I think that was only in sixth grade. No way. And then, oh, it was terrible. I was awful at it. Like, I was just trying to play it for as long as I could. Just do random shit. Yeah. People are looking at you like, what the <laughs> fuck is this kid doing? And we had a class of, like, hockey players. There's a bunch of us. And we were just, we were dumbasses. Like, the teacher, yeah. there's no way he liked us. But uh, then, yeah, seven, eight, there was, I didn't take anything like that. And then grade nine, I was off to edge in Calgary and it's a sports school. So I'm like, fuck, I wasn't taking music class. <laughs> Hell no. So at Middlesex, uh, when I was at Middlesex, my senior year, we had, uh, so I had to fulfill a music requirement or I forget. Yeah. Music requirement. And so I took steel drums <laughs> and I, ha- I, yeah. So I had one of my good buddies in there and the teacher was unreal uh mr rab shout out um but man like so we had we were at school monday through saturday i think you had this were you at school on saturdays or no 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 okay yeah so must be a northeast thing but uh yeah so 8 a.m saturday morning we'd have class and i looked forward to going to that class dude i loved it i loved it so much and this is why i was like all right i gotta learn how to so that same spring, I was like, all right, steel drums is over. I'm going to try – I'm going to see if I can get guitar lessons with this guy and um, try to learn how to play the guitar because I love country music. And obviously the predominant instrument is a guitar. Mm-hmm. And the price was just absolutely insane to do this. So I was like, yeah, that's not happening. Like I have to buy gear this, this summer, you know? Like all my money, all my free money goes towards <laughs> – for hockey equipment so i have no money to do anything else uh but yeah so that's definitely something i'm gonna look into once this whole corona stuff is over try to get a proper instruction on how to play the freaking guitar damn stance i had no idea i i had yeah. no clue all the times we've roomed together and we've known each other all year i had no clue about that yeah dude i honestly i don't think i've told many people like 
I think it's just because I sucked at it so much. So if, so, some, if somebody was like, hey, play me a song or something, I'd be like, dude, I have no idea how the hell to play this thing. Yeah, you got to start you know? somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's Yeah, that goes with, with anything, really. Um, That's but funny. yeah, it was something about trying something new where, like, I was completely disconnected from everything else. Like, mm-hmm. back to the point we were talking about, it just completely disconnected me because I was so focused on learning how to do this one thing. So I feel like... You know, people could, I told my sister this actually, that's why she started, she started that vlog Mm -hmm. Um, and she loves it. She loves doing it. And I was just like, try new things, like video yourself, trying new things. And you're going to like learn what you actually love to do, what you don't like to do and all that stuff. So it could be an interesting experiment for our listeners if they're interested in doing something like that. But yeah, for me, even this podcast was something new. I'd never done anything. Like, you know, you go back you know, three or four years, I didn't even really know what a podcast was like. Yeah. And that now they're so big. And so this for me is totally new and, and you know, doing exactly what we're doing is something away from hockey. Obviously we're talking lots about it and about, you know, fitness, the underdog story in general, but it's still, it's something different than being on the ice and, and training. So I know it's related, but it's something different. It just gets my mind off it for sure. Um, going back to your point earlier about, you know, the off season, trying to take a week or two off, you know, that's the time. And I say that to myself every year, this year, like this year too, season finished, you know, we just got back from Alaska. I was dead. I was cooked, but mentally I can't do it. I know that I should take two or two weeks off, especially with the way my health was not that I was in like my knees were sore, obviously that's to be expected wrist was sore you know typical things and I know the right thing to do is probably to take two weeks off but what am I doing I'm, I'm in the gym the next day and I'm thinking like okay this is my time to get a get yeah, a exactly. on everyone because I can't mentally just take a break and recoup it's like okay this is go time like this is my chance to improve for next season like I remember saying to you in the gym that first day back it was you me I think Clark was in there and I'm like man like this is such a long off season. I'm going to make so much, like I'm going to improve so much. Like this is going to be the year. And I, I can't let myself recoup because then I'm in there bagging myself trying to get a step on everyone. It's just, it's just how I'm wired. You know, it's tough to disconnect and I know I need to, but at the same time, this is my chance to get a step on everyone. I think I've taken advantage of that off season, um, taken advantage of that this off season and yeah, coming back, like I feel good. Obviously I'm still a little, you know, banged up, but what can you do? I trained my ass off. I feel great on the ice. I've got a missile of a shot. Oh, joy. I'm going to snipe you in practice. <laughs> oh, I can't oh, wait. Extra 20 pounds. It's like <laughs> just snapping off. Hey, honestly, like what the 1200th shot of practice. I hope it goes in. But you know, like, I thought this was great. I mean, obviously, COVID, that was tough in a lot of ways for everyone. Hey, but honestly, I feel like – so that, what, three three months, I'd say, we were off the ice, maybe even four? Mm-hmm. So that whole time, it's kind of like a blessing in disguise because you can look at it's, it one or two ways. You could look at it as, oh, Jesus, like four months, not on the ice. Like, this is ridiculous. But then you think, all right, everybody, most people are in the same position unless they're like billionaires and they have their own refrigerated rink in their backyard. <laughs> And, uh, the other way you look at it and you're like, okay, now, you know, 
now I can actually recover. I don't think I've ever taken longer than four or five days off from skating. Yeah. I've never and, taken that time. It was like, it was forced. You're forced to take yeah. time off your skates as, as everyone was. But at the same time, I just trained harder than I was training more. Yeah. I was training longer, you know, more often as, as much as I could. Cause I did everything I could to try and take advantage of it and, yeah. and make a gain on everyone. Dude. And once and for all this, bubble that i had on my ankle do you remember that thing oh god yeah probably the size of like it was a baseball it had yeah. to be you know probably a baseball size uh fluid sack on my ankle been there for about three years it comes and goes once it goes away it ba it's back the next day and it knock on woods wherever the wood is <laughs> it has not come back yet and i honestly think it was the three four months being off my skates that finally did the trick dude. And your ankle bone is still still massive. oh yeah something something's still wrong with it obviously but it's not as big as it used to be dude in season uh, i would wonder every day how you fit that in a skate it didn't even make oh sense like i dude, actually was, had no clue how you got your foot i, in the I no joke i had to pull my skate apart <laughs> to fit my foot in it and it just folded around like over time my skate from being so like sweaty and just broken down, no. <laughs> it, it, it legit like shaped to the ankle. You should see my, the skates I have right now. They're already shaped. So when I got the true skates, so you know, the true skates, obviously yeah. they're 3d modeled to your foot or whatever it is. And so I was like, okay, when, when these things like really started to become a thing, I was like, I need this. I can't wear the bar skates anymore. I need something that is shaped to this ankle. So now this thing, no, like, I'm not even kidding you. My skate is loose. I have to yank the thing tight because I don't have a baseball to fit in the skate anymore. Dude, you need <laughs> new skates. Like those things are falling no, apart. Howard no, patched them however many times. Don't have a top loop on the skate anymore. That's Vietnam if I've ever seen it. <laughs> Isn't the bottom part, didn't you have to glue like your actual eyelets back onto the boot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just stitch a, like a, looked like a knife slit through the through the skate you had to stitch it up and glue it and then now the bottom of the skate's falling it's a disaster but anyways that's beside the fact um i want to talk with you a little bit about the interview that we had but do you have anything else on this uh intro topic um not off the top of my head i think we we no? kind of discussed everything uh talked in season even uh, you know what i'll touch on the off season part of that um, like right now, for example, you know, we're skating a couple times a week and, and training, you know, four or five times a week right now. I'm, I'm in the gym five times a week, skating twice. That'll go up to four times next week, four times on the ice now. So that'll be good. Um, but I think that can be challenging, especially with an extended off season like this one to try and stay focused. But then at the same time, learning how to disconnect, to keep yourself engaged when you need to be be back on you know like after even i found myself you know especially being at home when i was working out in the basement um you know after two months of that you start to think like okay what am what am i doing here like and you start to not deviate but it's probably the best word i can, I can think of it like kind of stray like what you need to you need something to keep you focused so and i think i'm glad i got back we got down for chowder cup or i guess they called it the battle of boston and i think that was something that just rejuvenated me. So not really a disconnect because obviously we were playing like six games in four days, but kind of just reminded me of why I'm doing this and, 
it, it like ignites that spark again. You, you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It just gets you back in that mood and you're like, ah, oh, I, I miss this. And you know, you kind of fall in love with the game all over again. And, and it reminds you of why you're doing this. And, you know, when I was back, you go into the gym again, it's like, like you can't wait to get in there because you know why you're doing yep. it and it's fresh again and just been reminded of all the, all the good things. So I think that's, that plays an equally important role in disconnecting, you know, like being able to disconnect, to stay engaged and focused on your goals, but at the same time, a little reminder to keep you engaged in your training. Cause I mean, it, it can be tough, especially this season, like with such a long off season, you know, you miss playing, you miss being in season, seeing everybody. It, it can be tough. So I, I mean, think, I tell my, I tell my parents all the time. I'm like, I miss playing in a meaningful hockey game. Exactly. You know what I mean, yeah. where, where there's something on the line, like there's something at stake and I, that's tough. Like it's been what, six, six months now. I think we're going on six months since yeah. we played an actual meaningful hockey game. Yeah. Uh, so, and yeah, we and were just fun about for to go me. on a heater. We were just about to go on a heater too at the end of the season, of course. I right? know. Oh God. But yeah, I like made the playoffs was... since like before high school, and finally <laughs> you finally had a chance. sniff, and then yeah, finally had a sniff. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, for me, like Chowder or Battle of Boston, God, I got to stop calling it that. It was just, it was fun. Like it was a meaningful game. We're all there trying to win. Uh, we're trying to, we're trying to win the whole thing. So it was awesome. And like State kind of just ignites that spark again. Um, but yeah. obviously I'm hyped for the season. I can't wait to get back into, you know, regular season games and, and start playing for something. I know um, it's going to be a little different, but it's definitely going to be the game that we all love. So it's, uh, you know, we got a, oh my God, we have a good team, dude. I know. We have a it's solid core coming back. I'm excited. So. Yeah, I can't wait too. to get into the season. Obviously, you know, we're kind of the lights at the end of the tunnel, you know, we get the confirmed dates. So we're getting closer, obviously with the team training starting up in, what, like 10 days, not even, I'm, I'm, you know, you can tell it's right around the corner. So I'm excited for that. And, you know, that's all you need, something to look forward to and remind you of your goals and and your why. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was just, that was good stuff. I mean, I feel like a lot of, a lot of people don't realize that they need to disconnect until they actually disconnect and they're like, they're eager to get back. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like they re-love what, they initially fell in love with you know what i mean it's because sometimes you get stale dude like it happens to everybody yeah and you just finally like you take that week off in some cases week week off you know you always find yourself doing something like i, I mean one thing for me uh daisy like going to her vacation house like that was huge because i was getting away and yeah. like I not. I almost just said I had no choice, but it was like. <laughs> I hope she doesn't do that. <laughs> no, no, that's that's not like where I was going with it. My point was, I went. I committed to going. Like it was fun. It was a good experience, and I was away from the game. I was away from the daily grind that it is, and I came back. I was fresh. I was ready to go. And yeah. um, how was Georgia? Like, by the way, we didn't even talk about Virginia. That. Virginia. Virginia. Yeah, was, Virginia. Yeah. What did I say? Georgia. Yeah. yeah Virginia. Yeah. Same thing. Uh, <laughs> to me, it's the same thing. Yeah. No. Uh, no, it was unreal, man. I love like the nature and all that stuff. Like there was a bear right outside the house, Holy and shit. there's just so much wildlife down there. And they live, uh, their house is right on this river, and it goes right along their whole property. 
and it was it was unbelievable. Crystal clear water too. It was it was awesome. It was a great experience. But wow. Um, yeah. yeah. One so more thing. Good. Um, on your point, you know, taking that break and falling in love with the game again, being eager to get back. Um, now I can't confirm if this is true or not, but I've heard it enough times. You know, it probably is. But Phil Kessel leaving his gear in the room all summer, just leaving it in the locker room, hanging in a stall. <laughs> going home and then just coming back. Like Phil doesn't skate at all. So clearly he has to be eager when training camp rolls around. Yeah. He's gotta be right. After like some Doritos and diet, <laughs> hot dogs diet, out of the Stanley cup. Hot dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. What a, what a meatball that guy is, huh? Yeah. Like no a bowling kidding. ball. In the ice. Yeah. <laughs> but he's just a, he's a phenom. He goes in, puts up 30 goals a season. Like he's in perfect an example of animal. a natural talent. Perfect example of a natural talent. <laughs> And yeah, oh my god, talk about someone who doesn't take care of their body. Jeez. <laughs> but then man, I can't say shit because he's in the NHL and he makes millions <laughs> of dollars. So exactly. for a long time, too. He's a, he's uh, a special player. He's something else. Yeah. I mean, some guys love him and hate him, but you can't like you can't hate on on his performance and the way he the way he carries himself. Like he produces, he performs year after year. So you can't hate on that. You can hate on everything else about him, but <laughs> no, yeah, you definitely can't hate on that. It's the same thing with like Broder. Like he'd have a Pepsi and a uh was it a donut or something in between periods? How do you I mean, do that, I, man? I wouldn't be surprised. But okay, so listen to this. I was listening to Spit and Chicklets the other day, and they had uh Hal Gill on, I want to say it was. Now, obviously, he played a ways back. This is before you know nutrition was prioritized, but just talking about having a six pack after the games. It's like, what? A six pack after every game? And he goes on to say, like, yeah, if I'm in if I'm in Buffalo, like I want Buffalo wings and a beer. I'm in Philly. I want a Philly cheesesteak and a beer. Like that's what he's having after the game. And it's just yeah. it's just totally different the way they take care. Like, obviously, that's going back, you know, however many years when he played, but uh yeah, things have changed in that perspective. Dude, and honestly, I feel like a lot of people do that. Now, this just could be from my perspective or my opinion, but I feel like a lot of people almost downplay uh, that it's their job to be a hockey player just to keep it fun, mm -hmm. like to make sure that when they go on the ice, they're just out there having fun because, as you know, you go out there, and if you're not having fun, you're not playing good. Yeah. And God, who was it? It was uh, someone in the playoffs. It was a picture, I want to say on Instagram, that – NHL posted and I forget whose stick it was he was sitting on the bench and then he was holding the stick and all you could see his knob and it said have fun I forget who it was but yeah, yeah oh, like I've see, seen that yeah yeah yep. like just reminding himself that like you know it's easy to get caught up in like this is what they do for a living and you know why do they do it they got to love the game still if, if if you're gonna play that much hockey and and that that competitively like you, you gotta you gotta love it and you gotta have fun doing it yeah, dude, that honestly, that's why I feel like those guys, maybe they got to figure it out. Like, maybe that's, maybe that's the way, you know, <laughs> like who the hell knows? But you again, see a mentally, lot of guys, I'm not wired like that. I couldn't do it. I couldn't, exactly, have, yeah, I couldn't I have a donut and a Coke. I'd be like, oh my I know. God, like the sugar, like, man, like, what am I doing to myself? Like mentally <laughs> yeah. that would ruin me. You know, I, I couldn't yeah, do it. Yeah, I know. I know. Sometimes I wish I wasn't so wired like that just so I could almost like relax a little bit, you know, like yeah. Howard, I can't tell you. So Howard is our, was our trainer uh, <laughs> this past season. Unfortunately he's gone, but man, he would work on my traps and back every single day because they were just so like tensed up. 
What's so deep. You sit at that computer and type away all day. Then... Oh, no. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. All right. We're, we're like way away from our point here. The intro I know. topic. So yeah. We went way off on a tangent. Yeah. No, that was good, though. Hopefully, our, our listeners kind of enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so let's head over to talking about the interview before we actually go to the interview. And um, so Scott Lutris, he was a stud to say the least um, as a football player. And man, he started in eighth grade, he was saying, mm-hmm. and he just kind of took off from there. He was named to the All-State team by the New Haven Register during his senior year. And he was named to the 2006 Connecticut Gatorade Player of the Year rushing for 2017 yards and 34 touchdowns Holy. and so he ended up very much an underdog story UConn was his only offer at the time and he took it and he kind of ran from it from a uh, ran with it from there freshman sophomore year he tore it up and obviously hit that streak of injuries and we're going to go into talking about you know how he coped with it and he pretty much straight through his pro career. And unfortunately it kind of sort of like ended his pro career, Mm -hmm. Uh, but he can say he made it all the way. Just like we hope someday we can say we made it to the show. Uh, He played in the NFL and he was projected to go as high as the fifth round. He went undrafted and he was ended up his first team he was signed by was the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he kind of bounced around team to team from there. And then he started Blue Ribbon Nutrition, which I use religiously. Uh, it's the best pre-workout on the market. And he's going to talk about that and how he co-founded it. Uh, we also talk about, you know, the struggles of coming out of a pro sport or any sport for that matter. Once you retire, you know, obviously you go through a lot of mental mental hurdles. And obviously he did very well for himself and he's got a world-class brand. So, Dylan, what did you think of the interview, man? I loved it. It was awesome. He was a great guy, you know easy to talk to and uh, had an unbelievable story to share. I mean, obviously the sports side of it being a huge, huge underdog. Um, But even in the business world, like look at a supplement company, that's a a tough thing to start just with how many of them there are out there. Now there's a competitive thing. The fitness industry is the most competitive category on the planet. I'd say, right. Yep. And you look at every pro bodybuilder to help themselves out. They have their, their own line of supplements, merchandise, you know, everyone has their lineup. So it's a tough, yeah, tough market to compete. So, I mean, obviously an underdog in the business world as well and as in the business world as well. And uh, he's doing unbelievable. I mean, blue ribbons really made a name for themselves. So, and I can't, I can't wait to try the pre-workout out. I know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why you didn't try some of them. I think you did. Didn't you try some of mine this year? I don't know. Maybe you did. Oh but yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. The one day yeah. when we found out we were testing, I'm like, oh shit, I need, I need caffeine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think but, we were uh, uh, dry scooping it, so I didn't. It's not a fair. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. If Colin was here, he'd be hyping it up. He uses blue ribbon too. Uh, once again, Colin not here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So we are pumped for this interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. Dylan, got anything else? No, I think we covered it all, Joe. Good. All right. How we doing, Loot? What's up, fellas? Just uh, waiting for Colin to come in. He's uh, having problems hooking up, but uh, classic Cunningham, huh? Yeah, classic Cunningham. I know he shows up at last minute to set up his computer. <laughs> he always does this. I feel like a shirt. I know. Hey, we uh, we both got uh, the other brand going here. 
I like that. <laughs> Dylan, where are you? In like a warehouse or something? Basement? What is this? No, I'm in our, uh, yeah, I'm in our locker room lounge. Damn, where, where is that? In Attleboro. Is that a college or high school? No, uh, same team as Joey for the Northeast Generals. Oh, got it. Junior That's Hawk. a cool little lounge you guys got there. Nice. It's a good setup. Yeah, where are you at right now? I'm in Boston. Oh, you're in Boston? I'm in the South End. Yeah. Nice, nice. I thought I live here now. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. I thought you where'd you live? New York, right? Yeah, I lived in New York City and uh my wife and I moved to Boston in October. Wow, yeah, I had no idea. Coming up on a year shortly. I noticed uh you were at Brett's uh good amount recently, so I was like, huh, I wonder uh if you moved over here, but Yeah, I'll drive out there um a couple times a week to get a workout. Cool. Yeah, I've been waiting. I've been waiting to get a workout with you guys. I haven't. I uh, haven't got the memo yet. <laughs> oh, let's go! <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are, you, are you guys living? Are you living at home, or are you living down in Attleboro? Uh, he's down in Attleboro. I'm. Uh, I'm in Chelmsford. I commute every day, so he's in an apartment. He's actually from Canada. So. Okay, and you guys are still like full. You guys are practicing and everything, with all this going on. No, just summer skates. Nothing as a team yet. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's been a it's crazy though. This whole thing. How's it affected you? The whole COVID thing. Um, I mean, it's obviously slowed down business yeah. because every gym was closed for however long. Um, yeah. Things are starting to pick back up, though. You know, our Amazon was actually busier because people are on Amazon just shopping all the time. Uh, with gyms being closed, wholesalers are down. You know, it's slow, but we're steady. It's okay. I think a lot of it's like who's going to make it through this on the other side. I know. You know, I, I think know. it might yeah. in a lot of businesses, a lot of gyms. I think it'll, uh, it's going to be tough for a lot of people just trying to weather the storm, especially these CrossFit gyms, you know, small mom and pop business owners. It's, it's tough. Like they rely on their members every month. They have to shut yeah. down for four months, put them in a hole. And it's like a lot of these gyms are still trying to pay off equipment. So yeah, it'd be tough, but we're there's, doing all right though. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of like EIDL loans from SBA going around. So that's been good for, you know, the local small business, but yeah, you know, a good good portion of companies are are having a lot of issues, but uh, yeah, I mean, I was gonna I was gonna start off with your playing career, but now I kind of want to start off with Blue Ribbon because I'm very excited to get to talking about that. Uh, I actually have I have my supplement stack of Blue Ribbon in the corner over here uh, in my room. I I, got, <laughs> I must have 50 bottles by now, something like that. Good, but uh, love it. No, thank you for the support. Yeah, so where did uh, I know it started right out of college? Um, so who did you, who'd you co-found it with? Uh, so my business partner is a guy from my hometown. And so after my playing time in the NFL, I was her, I was still training. I was trying to get back into the league and I was back working out at a gym, uh, by my hometown. Like my brother, we all grew up there. It used to be an old powerhouse and then it changed names, you know, yeah, yeah. kind of dropped, um, that franchise, but same owner, awesome guy. He's been there forever. So we were just going back there training. Um, started training with my now business partner and, you know, we're just kicking around ideas. We'd always walk into the gym, trying different supplements. And we'd be like, Hey, try this pre-workout. Like I bought this one and like it, you try it. Or, you know, we would just like take a couple servings and like a throw. And then we're just like, there's nothing really out there that is what we're looking for, which is like transparent ingredients, especially, you know, you, you guys know too, like playing college, if you get drug tested or, you know, you're worried about if you're going to pop on a drug test, especially in the NFL, it's like, I'm a borderline guy fighting every single day. If I get back in, I can't fail a drug test. So 
Yeah. That's when I really started to get into it. But when I was back home training, um, you know, we just started looking at all these brands and we're like, products are just full of BS. They're hiding their ingredients. So I was like, why not just do this on our own, create our own formula? And uh, that's kind of where it started. Yeah. I mean, going back to that, the whole thing about being drug tested, I feel like I've seen a lot of um, articles that come out on like, you know, the, the big hot shots in the NFL, NBA who are getting drug tested and they fail the drug test and they're, they might not even be using like any drug, like PEDs or anything like that. It could be just a pre-workout or, or a whey protein. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, that's, it's funny because a lot of guys, I think it's twofold. I think sure that does happen. I think people do fail drug tests yeah. for substances and supplements that have shady stuff in them if they don't know. But I think also at that level, the drug test doesn't have to disclose what they fail for. Like if they fail for cocaine, it could be like, Hey, I was taking this protein. That was bad. Like they don't, you know, so a lot of guys will always blame a supplement, which is kind of unfair. Now it's this like monopoly of uh, third party testing, which we're working on getting, I get it. But you know, when I was in college, our muscle milk, our Gatorade shakes, they didn't have these third party verifications to test that they were banned substance free. And now these companies have it, uh, the NSF for sport, the informed choice, informed sport, which is great, but it's, because of those guys blaming supplements, now you have to go through this third-party certification, pay these residuals, these fees annually just to get that stamp and label on your product, which I understand people want to see that. Um, you know, but it, it's kind of funny how that worked out. I remember when I first started using like Blue Ribbon too, uh, like when Bre well, Brett showed me it. I think you know that obviously. Like I think Brett showed me it. And one of the like things I thought was cool and like what was like a big attraction for it was when I went on the website to buy it, you had like two or three NFL guys that were talking about how it was like all natural ingredients. And the fact that they had been taking it for two or three years, you don't see a lot of pre, especially pre-workouts like BCAs, maybe you'll see a little bit but pre-workouts. You don't see a lot of NFL guys that'll take those just right. because so, so many of them are so sketchy, but like blue ribbons, like it's so clean and like you can trust it. If you have NFL guys taking it, you know, you're going to be clean. So like that part of it was like, such an attraction for me. And then I started taking it. And it's the only pre I've taken for like nice. four years. I, I appreciate that. Thank it's you. Another thing you see a lot of too is on the back. Like I, I always look at the ingredients when I, when I buy supplements and stuff. And uh, one thing I notice is there's no 9,000 milligrams of a proprietary blend. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's very, most supplements are so vague in what they actually make it with. So, exactly. And that's why we, that was like the leading factor and decision maker what we wanted to do is be a transparent company like list our ingredients because you know that's that was the whole thing when i was playing the nfl i look i grab a bottle and you're right like you see proprietary blend you see 15 ingredients and i'm like well you're not telling me exactly what's in this and then you know that's like yeah. and it's like oh it's our proprietary secret blend it's like no everybody you know you should people should know what they're putting into their body and that's our whole message is like you deserve to know you're a consumer you're purchasing this product and i'm not going to tell you what's in it you know, that's not really, that's like, you know, going to a steakhouse and just saying, here's your steak options one through four. You don't even know what's going to come out on the menu. It's like, <laughs> no, you should know what you're paying for is what you're going to get. And that, you know, that's our whole thing. Yeah. And even, even the amounts, like there's some, you don't know what's in it, but then the amounts, it's like, okay, like you're saying, Joey, there's, you know, 9,000 milligrams of all these different things. And I remember the one I, I used to have was same thing. It would show caffeine as a part of the blend. It's like, well, is right. it 80 milligrams of caffeine? Is it 400 milligrams of caffeine? Like you have no clue. So yeah, that's, it's unbelievable that some people still do that and, and 
think that's okay. No, it's sketchy. And I, and I think eventually, um, I think the FDA should crack down on that. I'm, from what I understand, they're pretty um, low. You know, they don't have many employees to govern supplements. Um, and it's only when something comes out or you know, sadly when someone gets in, injured, hurt, or gets reported that there's a banned substance in it, then they'll go after them. But I, I think they're pretty um, poorly staffed in that department, but it should be regulated and you know everyone should have to disclose what's in it. It just doesn't seem fair. Yeah. Can the FDA like not get to those though? Isn't that like a thing? What's that? Like the F- I don't know. Like I, I noticed with like every, every single, um, Definitely pre-workouts, like it. Even on the blue ribbon one, like it, it says like the FDA can't approve. Yeah. I don't know why. It has it has nothing to do with your company, obviously, but it's every pre-workout. Right. Is that something that the the government opposes, or like why? Is no, that, I, I don't. I don't, I don't know, why. know why. But if you're gonna put out a food product, if you're gonna put out, I think since this is considered a supplement and not a food product, um, I mm-hmm. think if you're gonna put out like a beverage, a beer, or a Gatorade or soda, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure the FDA has to approve. Um, what you're selling there and supplements are not do not have to be approved we don't have to get no one checks our product we go through our manufacturing facility which is all compliant with you know nsf gmp um they have all the standards and certifications that you want in a manufacturing facility but the fda does not approve our product before we bring it to market yeah it makes and that's with every supplement correct which is i mean yeah yeah that's something they i think I don't know. What, do you think they, they should change that? I think they should. Change right, that's it. my point. I think they should regulate this. You know, I think you should have to disclose yeah. the ingredients that are in it. I think it's for consumer safety. It's like how many times you have to go out there and there's a banned substance or there's an ingredient you don't see that's in there. I don't know why they're not forcing people to, you know, do a test or something like that. Yeah, I also exactly. don't think uh, they want to go through the tedious work of having to go through all the ingredients within a supplement. You know what I mean? If you have food products, it's just one, typically one or two things within the product, but this you're looking at, you know, sometimes 10 different ingredients in, in right. the supplement. So I think that, I think that's the challenge. I don't know if they would be able to keep up with companies producing more products and evolving and growing, but at the same time, if they want to monetize it and charge a fee for companies to do it and everyone do it and play fairly. I don't know. Yeah. So on another note, I want to talk about where you want to take Blue Ribbon because I've kind of watched it grow over the past couple of years, at least since I've been at Middlesex and Brett introduced me to it. I know your pre-workout sells and it sells very much, especially the Blue Raz. That's my favorite one. I, I, I assume that's probably your best seller, right? It is. We're currently sold out, actually. It's yeah. funny. So oh, we're, really? we're, okay, we're yeah. kind of getting that back, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it definitely is. And then you kind of branched off. What was next? Was it the way or was it the uh, BCAs? Uh, we did the BCAs. Um, yeah, I think we did the aminos and the protein shortly after. They're about two months apart. We're working on them together. Um, and I don't remember which one that was last beginning of last year. We rolled them out together. Uh, but yeah, we, we did the BCAs. We did the protein. And those are like the big three that we wanted to do. The staples that we believe um, should be, in, you know, fitness enthusiasts, the, the staples that they should put into the rotation of supplements. And um, yeah, like you said, where we want to take it, we have so many ideas and things that we want to do uh, in the future, so many different products, uh, whether we bring out some single ingredients, we get a lot of inquiries like, hey, do you just have a, a, a glutamine or a creatine? Um, you know, in my opinion, it's kind of hard to make those special. Yeah, we could source the highest quality um, creatine, glutamine, single ingredients. That's not a problem. That's easy. But it's like, what? how can we be different? And how can we create the best product 
um, whether it's a blend of ingredients or like a greens product, you know, there's, I mean, I personally take greens products and a lot of them, I don't know if you guys have tried them, like they don't taste very good. Right. It's like, that's the number one issue yeah. is like, oh I can't God, stomach greens. that so taste like dirt. Um, so we've tried some samples that we really like, uh, putting out with, you know, an effective quality greens product and so many greens products that just load them up with like however many different, like, you know, we have 50 different fruits and vegetables. Like, is that really effective by putting all these or, should you limit it down and get the core 10 vegetables and, you know, put them more optimally dosed. And that's our thing is like doing the research, spending the time developing these things and getting the optimally dosed ingredients of everything that we do in all of our formulas. And that's, you know, took us a while to do the pre-workout and different iterations and making sure we nailed it correctly. So that's something we want to do. We have a, you know, a bunch of different products we've been talking about. It's kind of when we want to roll them out and what order we'd love to do an RTD pre-workout. Like you said, that people love the pre-workout you know, put a, you know, a, a pre, a bottle of pre in a gym cooler. It's kind of like, you know, the C4, they do that. Um, a lot of other companies are starting to do these RTD pre-workouts and then you're in a gym cooler. It's the convenience factor that people love. Yep. Um, the challenge is just finding the right partner, getting the flavor um, identical to what our powder is. So, you know, those are some of the challenges that are there, but things that we're researching and, and looking into. But, you know, we have big plans for the future and we're excited to, you know, continue on and keep growing. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, for one example, Gymshark, they stay online. They only sell online. They don't sell in stores. Do you think you're going to head down that direction? Or, I mean, this is probably classified information. No, but... no, no, no. no. I, I mean, I think especially in, you know, today, the past four or five months of what we experienced is stores closing and everyone is going digital. They're going online. Their shopping is convenient. Everyone's going to Amazon. You can get something delivered next day, two days for free if you have a Prime membership. Um, so I think direct to consumer going online is it's more beneficial to us, you know, our margins are better instead of going through gyms and having them resell it. But at the same time, like I'd love to support gyms. I'd love to, if they're going to carry a product, why not carry our product? Why not be the one on the shelf, a quality product? And we're in a bunch of CrossFit gyms, um, sports performance facilities. So why not work with these elite athletes and these people? It's like, it, you know, it, I'd love to be everywhere. Right. So it's, um, yeah, you know, it, yeah, it's kind of hard yeah. decision. I, I think, you know, you can pump, um, digital social ads and create your message that way, put paid traffic behind it, which you see a lot of companies do. And a lot of it's, they just rely on just marketing they have shit products, but all it is is their messaging and their promises and who they have in front of it, which is another thing that, you know, we started with the product and let it kind of speak for itself. You know, we'll market it, but we're not going to make all these crazy claims. Like if someone's asking about the product, I'll answer every question. I'm like, here are some samples or just try it for yourself. Let me know what you think. Tell me what you do and don't like about it. Most people after trying it are really happy with it. You know, whether it's all three of our products and, you know, for different reasons, the protein mixes very well. It tastes great. It's quality. It's a quality uh, whey isolate, 25 grams of serving, which you don't find too often. Um, you know, the pre-workout is, uh, you know, optimally dosed. Like I said, also tastes great. And same with the aminos. I've never tasted better aminos. And that was the one thing that I want to nail down every other, I don't know if you guys drink aminos a lot, but for BCAAs, there's, they used to be so sweet for me, which aminos, uh, branched amino acids are very bitter. So that takes a lot of sweetener to cover up. But the ones that I'd buy in the past before starting this, I'm like, I can't even, I would literally try one serving and just throw it oh. out. I'm like, this is disgusting. So. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you look at like uh, a lot of the uh, BCAAs that I've taken in the past, my breath is 
awful. <laughs> like terrible. And that, it never had happens. With that's gluten, probably just so you that's, though. That's, that's I think that's a, that's a personal Pro- issue. Yeah. The hygiene thing you should go to the dentist. <laughs> yeah, I, guess that's a, I guess that's an irrelevant factor, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah. You guys got anything else for him on blue ribbon and then we'll get into it. Well, one other thing I was going to say was I love what you said about wanting to help out the gyms. Cause I think like with Corona, especially like if you, you start to get, see people go online and, it, everyone's had to basically lift, like, especially during the lockdown, everyone basically had to lift alone, like in their house. So it kind of gets rid of that sense of community. And that's why I feel so many fitness people, they love it is because there's a sense of community there. So helping out um, in the gyms, that's, that's like really special. And if everyone just starts going online and doing their own thing and everyone's just super individual, then that it gets rid of that community feel. So I love that you're supporting the gyms too. I think that's something that's really, uh, really important. Yeah. You're not simply just looking like at like, Oh, what are the highest margins I could possibly get? Like, right. You actually have like a conscience in that sense, which I think is awesome. hundred percent. Fitness gurus appreciate that. Yeah. Trust yeah. me. I mean, we're gyms are making a lot more off our products than we are for selling to them. You know, like we're not making much or margins yeah. are small. We're giving them the opportunity to sell and have another revenue stream in their gym, uh, you know, to, to bring in more and offer something to their members. Mm. That's awesome. For sure. Well, I'd love to try it out. I know, Joey has it like, I mean, I'm sure he put you guys out of, out of business. Uh, he probably sold you guys out for the pre-workout. I mean, I watched this guy drink pre-workout like it's water before every skate, every like, so I'd love to try it. That's obviously. why he's as good as he is. Joey Stan. You, <laughs> no. yeah, you, you guys are going to have to come out with a higher dose. You guys are going to have to come out with a higher dose pre-workout for me. Take yeah, Sinise's caffeine intolerance is like 800 milligrams now. I mean, <laughs> we'll get you some though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I just want to go back a little bit. Um, you mentioned being unique, and I feel like being in the fitness industry, it's very hard to do, especially in the supplement uh, category. And, you know, you don't want to expand too fast. You know, I've had the same issue with Underdog. Like, how am I going to make myself unique and stand out from the rest of the millions of clothing brands that are out there? And, you know, I've come up with different concepts on where I want to take the brand and all that stuff. But, I just want to say that I think you're, you know, you're doing an unreal job with, with such a high end supplement and going forward, I think it's definitely going to take off and, you know, you'll be in stores in no time. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. But, uh, all right. So let's, uh, get into your playing career. I did some research, but most of that information came from Wikipedia. I was going to have you fill out, I was going to have you fill out the, uh, yeah, I was going to have you fill out the form, but I was like, ah, I'm not going to put them through that and, you know, have to fill out all this stuff. So bear with me on that and correct me if I'm wrong. But um, so you attended Brookfield High in Connecticut and you're pretty much a stud right from the beginning. Uh, so walk us through that. Like, was it always your dream to play in the NFL? No, I never really thought it was realistic, to be honest. I know it's yeah. not the right thing to say, um, but I didn't start playing football until eighth grade. My, I had two older brothers. Um, they both played in high school, were great players. So I was like always trying to chase them. I always wanted to be like them. Like, wow, they're doing great at football. It looks awesome. But I always played soccer growing up. You know, just my thing. Me and my buddies, we were just all on the soccer team. And then eighth grade, I wanted to get one season in before going to high school to play some football. I was, you know, I'd play football, I'd play pickup football, backyard, kill the carrot, whatever. Growing up, like I was familiar with the game. I just never played organized football. Uh, so I played eighth grade my first year. Um, and I was light. I was small. I think I played like the 115 in eighth grade. Freshman year, I think I was like 135. Sophomore, 175, 190 junior, and then like 210 senior year. So I had a huge growth spurt throughout high school, uh, which was, you know, beneficial for me. But 
I didn't, uh, you know, and, and then I realized I could continue to play in college, but I didn't know how that process worked, recruiting. Um, you know, I had a great high school career, but it was like, where am I going to end up? Where am I going to go? And I didn't get, um, I ended up at UConn and I didn't get an offer until December. I think it was after the first playoff game my senior year when, you know, most schools already sent out offers. They already had their commitments. Uh, the roster's already full. Um, so I, that was my only offer. You know, I was looking at some Ivy League schools. If I couldn't go to a big time football school, I'd go for an education and play some good football. And I was looking at UPenn. Um, and then uh, UMass, I guess, said they were going to offer me, but that was after UConn did. Um, but it, it, it all happened really fast. I didn't even want to go to UConn. I wanted to get out of state. I wanted to go to Boston College. I wanted to go to Maryland, uh, a big football school, but a good education as well. But they had no interest. And then UConn came around. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was the first playoff game. My wheeling play, it's just a semifinal and then the, the final in Connecticut. We just played two rounds of uh, interdivision for state playoffs. So they came to our first state playoff game. I think I got offered, I don't know, the next day or within that week. I took an official visit a, a week later and then I committed on my official visit. So within two weeks uh, is when it all kind of happened. And, uh, you know, it, it, it worked out for the better. I'm, I'm glad um, I went to UConn. It was state and state. A lot of my family and friends, my family made it to every single game I ever played in, um, which it was pretty cool home and away. My parents at least were, were able to travel, which is very fortunate to have that. And um, yeah, I didn't, um, I know your initial question was if I dream was always to play in the NFL and I'm getting there. But uh, I didn't, uh, I kind of, I was just, I felt I was lucky to get a scholarship to play at UConn. I was like, man, I, I look on the rivals page. I'm sure you guys have for hockey and it shows all the statistics of every player, you know, what they do and what their bench, what their 40, their stats, but they're all bullshit, you know? So like, I went into UConn, I was like, man, these guys are benching 450 and they're squatting 600, they're running 4-4s. I'm like, I, I'm just lucky to get a scholarship and be on the team. Like, I didn't think, I was like, maybe I'll play some special teams my junior, senior year. And then I get there and I realize, like, everyone's just like you and I. So it's all the same. And, I, and then I just, you know, put in this work ethic and just try to outwork everyone. Um, you know, had a good college career. And then not until my junior, senior year, I realized uh, I had an opportunity to continue playing after. And it worked out a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's crazy. I mean, especially a lot of, I feel like a lot of people there, their dreams of playing pro start young and considering you started playing in what you said, eighth grade, eighth grade. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty miraculous. And then, um, so from there, after your college career, I noticed that, you know, it mentioned a lot of recurring injuries. And uh, so you know, as we said before, injuries is a you know common topic on our podcast. We talk about it a lot because it's a very serious thing where it causes athletes to fall out of their sport and you know not reach their full potential. So, you know, how did you cope with uh, the injuries that you had? Because it seemed like you know you had a lot of a lot of issues with what was it your shoulder? I want to say I had That's neck said. neck issues in neck, college. Neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so it started uh, junior year. Actually, going into my junior year, I herniated a disc in my lower back, um, which was never officially on record, and I wanted to keep that quiet going to NFL. Um, but I herniated a disc in spring ball, dealt with that my entire junior year, and didn't. it was kind of just misdiagnosed, so I didn't address it. I just you know, was in a lot of pain trying to deal with it, play through it. Um, the first game of the season, I had a stinger. I don't know if you guys have had any stingers oh my uh, playing hockey or football. Sucks, yeah. Yeah, so Cunningham has. Yeah. But uh, it was 
<laughs> it, it was pretty severe. It, um, I, I guess in a stinger, for those who don't know, the nerve either gets stretched or compressed and damaged. So in my situation, um, it got stretched. I, I was on a kickoff running down one-on-one -on -one with the returner. I kind of dove at his legs and his knee hit me on the side of the head. Um, and then I, I just felt, it was the first time I really had it, my arm just went on fire and kind of numb. I played that series, came off, and the trainer was trying to give me a test. And he's like, all right, raise your arms and we'll do a strength test. And I couldn't raise my left arm. It was just pretty much paralyzed. Like I couldn't raise it more than two inches from my side, um, which was pretty scary. And so I missed five games after that injury. And with the nerve, you just kind of have to let it recover. You know, they did some neck traction, just kind of let it heal and recover. Um, and it was, you know, never really, you know, I got better towards the end of the season, but it was always kind of there. And then uh, the next season, my senior year, we opened up at Michigan and I hurt my other side. So that was my left and then on my right side. Um, so I had another stinger. And, it, you know, it softened me up. I uh, wasn't as physical of a player, and I was trying to leave my head at a lot of the tackles, and it definitely slowed me down, um, which sucked, and that was part of it. But uh, and then I missed, I think, three games my senior year. So a total of eight games because of uh, the stinger issue. And then I broke my hand on our last regular season game senior year. So I had, uh, I don't know if you could see it, nine screws on a plate Ooh. Oh yeah, there. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, so I had, uh, I had surgery there. And uh, so I get to play a club for the next two games. And then uh, fast forward to the NFL, you know, I, I would still have some neck issues. I'd still feel some stingers here and there. And then after my, my rookie year, it was opening kickoff the first preseason game. My, my second year, I tore my ACL. And that was like, you know, I was doing well through camp up to that point. I was like two or three weeks into camp, um, doing well on special teams. Another linebacker go down, so I got bumped up on the depth chart. I was getting reps. And then uh, tore my ACL, just uh, first play of the first preseason game. So I missed the whole season then. I uh, came back, I, I rehabbed, I was feeling great in the off season. I think we had like five ACLs that year uh, in the Colts. And so rehab came back. I didn't miss a practice, didn't miss an OTA at camp. So we came back for camp and it was the third day of camp, first day of pads. I got tangled up in a special team punt drill. I fell down with some kid um, and I felt something pop in my knee and it was the meniscus that they repaired during my ACL surgery a year ago. So I went, I had an MRI, I think that day that, Right after practice, they drove me, I think, had an MRI. The surgeon, team surgeon was there when I got out. We did my ACL. And he's like, hey, we can operate tomorrow. So I said, okay, let's operate. They uh, had a meniscectomy. They removed the meniscus that was ripped. Um, was trying to rehab, trying to come back. I was trying to get back into for one preseason game. I was just trying to, you know, get enough, put something on tape and see if I can stick with the team, whether it was the Colts or not, or just, you know, put something out there. And then uh, they released me right after the surgery. So I had surgery, spent the night in the hospital, came back with an hour of being back on camp. They brought oh me in the GM. was like, hey, we're going to let you go. But I get it. You know, that they kept countless. me one year. Yeah, it's a business. It's a numbers thing. I get it. I missed yeah. the year before, and then I get hurt, you know, the third third day of camp practice. So, you know, they let me go, which I go to injury reserve. They can't really officially release me until I'm healthy. So I'm rehabbing, rehabbing. Uh, my knee's still hurting about five weeks later. I'm like, hey, we want to do another MRI. I had a new tear. So I had another surgery. Um, and that was kind of the end of my football career after that. I just, oh my uh, God, could you even walk at that time? Yeah. Like, what <laughs> the hell? So it's four or uh, three knee surgeries in my right knee in 14 months. 
Special teams Holy is a dangerous yeah, freaking game, man. Special teams is just yeah. Oh my god, yeah. No, it's. I feel like so many injuries in football happen on special teams. I don't know if you feel the same way, Luke, but I mean, it seems like I don't know. It's just scary. It's like I feel like every injury, injury, every injury you said like happened on special teams. It's freaking weird. It's just. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. They. Um, I think that's why they try to make these rule changes from the kickoff. Um, you know, bringing the collisions a little closer. That's when you see guys. I mean, I would see concussions all the time in college. We had this one guy, Gerardo Williams, who would just run. I mean, I think he was a all state. I think he won like the hundred meter champ like three years in high school. This kid would fly, and he was a DN for us, and he would just send him down middle field and kick off, and he would just light dudes up. Yeah. And just like I would see guys just get knocked down. I'm like, this is. I mean, obviously, it's not. It's not healthy for anybody. Yeah. And, uh, I think it kind of slowed him down. Someone went high, low on him once, and that kind of softened him up forever on kickoff. Yeah. But, yeah, like you said, it, it, it's oh dangerous. Have you ever had a concussion? Uh, not diagnosed, no. No, but you've probably I've had my bell wrong, and I've been, you know, I'm sure yeah. I've had mild yeah. cases of it, but nothing diagnosed. I've never yeah. missed any time for any. But I think uh, any play a sport like that with collisions, you know, 90% of the plays, I think it's inevitable. Yeah, man, that kind of sucks. I mean, it, you kind of got caught by the injury bug right into yep. your pro career you never really got to like prove yourself yeah i know it's like my freshman sophomore year were my my best years and then it, injuries kind of happened and started to go downhill <laughs> yeah yeah all happens for a reason and that's the scary part of sports sorry just saying like that's the scary part of sports like it can happen to anyone in any in any sport mm-hmm. i mean injuries can nag and nag i mean look at Tiger Woods that's not golf's not a physical sport at all yet he's had a nagging back injury for how many years you know like man injuries are tough they can and they we've talked about it before like that can affect you mentally too um and I think that's a good example of the guy you were just talking about like you know one guy clips him goes high low that changes the way he he looks at that play for for the rest of his career so yeah they're they're scary yeah, we didn't really talk about the mental side. And I'd love to get into that if you're willing to talk a little more on on the injury topic. And um, after you're, you know, you were injured for the first time, what was it like coming back from that? Were you uh, eager to get back? Were you leery of what was going to happen when you came back? Yeah, w- with the stingers and the neck injury, um, because there's so much unknown to know how the nerve is really regenerating. And uh, like the scariest thing ever told me when I had the nerve injury, like we can't let you go out and play because if you damage this nerve as it's already stretched and weakened, you can sever the nerve and then you'll be, you know, you won't have any function in your arm the rest of your life because you can't repair nerves. And I'm like, okay, well, this is pretty serious. So, you know, I will, you know, I was very cautious of that. And, um, you know, the feeling of a stinger just, it sucks. And uh, in, a, in a game like football, where you're throwing your head and your shoulder into every tackle, every play, um, it definitely softened me up and, it, you know, it changed the way I played. But at the same time, uh, I think it's kind of, you know, cliche, but it's like for love of the game, it's like I was just, I love being around the teammates, everything of football. I wanted to be out there with my teammates. So I think that was my main focus of doing everything I could to get healthy and you know, being in the training room, doing, you know, extra strength work with the, the strength coaches trying to build up my traps, my neck to, you know, take on any collision. Um, I was seeing, you know, independent chiropractors outside of football just kind of on my own, getting extra treatment, just doing whatever I could uh, to get healthy and get back in. Um, and then, you know, going into my senior year when I heard it again, that's when like, you know, the mental aspect was like, okay, you know, I, 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 I had the injury once I got over, I finished my junior year pretty strong, I finished healthy. 
you know, if I could stay healthy, I'll have a better shot in the NFL. And then I heard it first game of the year and then all these thoughts started racing through. It's like, okay, well now here goes my chances that you're just dropping because I have this recurring injury two years in a row and, you know, my careers are starting to go downhill. Um, so that was the mental aspect just to trying to get over it. And, uh, I think it was after I came back, um, my senior year after the first or second game, uh, I just wasn't playing myself and coach Edsler, head coach, who's still, he's back at UConn now brought me into his office and basically called me out. And he's like, you know, you're playing soft. He's like, this is, you're not helping anyone. You're not helping yourself. You're not helping the team. He's like, you just can't worry about the injury. You just got to go out there and play football. He's like, if it happens, it happens. He's like, you can't control that. He's like, just play how you play. Um, which, you know, I realized I kind of took a step back watching film and I was like, he's hundred percent right. And I was like, if I'm going to risk it, let's just go risk it all. So I think getting over that and just starting to play full speed and not think about it and just get through it is kind of what I needed to hear. And uh, what I really respect coach as always, always, you know, kept it transparent with everyone. You know, he lets you know, you're not doing well, you're not doing things the right way. He was, you know, people say he's a disciplinarian, but you look at the guys who not to get off too off topic, the guys who go through UConn and it, you know, it's more of just playing football, you know, the players, the quality of guys that turn into men and what they're doing post football is, attribute to that and the staff that we had around us which is pretty cool yeah I, I mean going uh off of that how you know a lot of football players I feel like they have trouble oh well, with any sport actually when they're done with their pro career it's tough to kind of disconnect from your career and find something new and you did that obviously with blue ribbon so when did that all begin did, did you start that while your football career was was going or was it right after no, it was after, um, like you said, that transition is tough. And, I, you know, I went through it. Um, yeah. I just, after I was hurt, I, I rehabbed for a year. So I missed uh, 2012 season with the ACL, 2013, the meniscus. And then I was like, I'm just going to give it one more shot. I want to get healthy if I can get a workout. I went to the veterans combine. I was feeling good, but, you know, you missed two years of knee surgeries. No one's going to take a chance on you, which I was hoping wasn't the case. You know, I was just trying to wait for one more opportunity um, to backtrack a little bit. I was undrafted. I came out here of the lockout. So I don't know if you guys remember that. That was 2011. And typically after the NFL draft, if you're undrafted, you get signed that day with the team. Um, and you know where you're going. They go through off-season workouts. You go through a rookie mini camp. Um, so you get to learn the system. You get to learn the defense. And in my case, you know, the special teams, you get to learn what's going on. So when you go into camp, it's full speed. Everyone knows what they're doing. You've already been caught up to speed a little bit. Uh, so with the lockout, uh, after the draft, there was no communication with um, – free agents so undrafted free agents in any team so during the draft I was getting calls and it was like hey you know if you don't get we got your eye on you if you don't get drafted we'd love you know to have you in when the lockout's over blah blah, blah. so the lockout lifted I think like late July right around when camp would start um, and it was kind of just a crazy frenzy it, I guess it got lifted a day earlier and I was in the gym I never used to put my phone in the gym I was working out I come out and I had like 50 text messages and 20 missed calls from teams and my agent was just like, Hey, like, where have you been? Teams are trying to get in touch. Lockout's over. You got to make a decision. So I had like four hours of just talking to my family, picking up the phone every 10 minutes. And you know, it, it was a good problem to have for me. I, I, I had a lot of opportunities, a lot of different teams to choose from. So I kind of had an advantage um, in that sense of like, okay, where's the best fit? Where am I going to go? Um, decided on Jacksonville, but on there, you know, I thought I really had a chance. Um, but it, it, it was just, just kind of a crazy time of just getting thrown right into a system and, you know, not doing any off-season workouts um, and just like lockout lifted. I think it was 10 o'clock at night, made a decision. I was on a flight like 10 a.m. the next day down in Jacksonville. We just started camp right away. It was a, it was a little unusual um, uh, that year to, 
to kind of have that first taste of the NFL. But when you're making that decision, are, are you looking at the depth chart, the system, the coaches? Like, like what factors into that decision? Everything. I'm just curious. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, everything. So I, um, the linebacker coach, Mark Duffner, who was at Jacksonville at the time, uh, he had met with me prior to the draft. He came up, visited UConn, and met with him at uh, the Combine. So I had this relationship with him. I really liked him as a coach. I heard great things about him. Jack Del Rio uh, was the head coach in Jacksonville, former linebacker himself, like football guy. Um, they ran a 4-3, which is what we ran at UConn. They had a lot of young linebackers, so there was an opportunity to maybe uh, make that team be a special teams player. Mm -hmm. But during that little free agent uh, lockout frenzy, um, they said they were going to sign one veteran and one other undrafted free agent linebacker. They ended up signing like Paul Puzlesny, Clint Sessions, two of like one of the, two of the higher paid oh linebackers. Oh my god! Yeah, they signed like five undrafted linebackers. So yeah. it's kind of a little bit of a sales pitch, but it, yeah. it was okay. It, it was a good experience to be down there. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, wait, I'm sorry. I, I think I uh, diverged from the initial question. I couldn't remember what you asked. I went a little off topic, but I think I, I was trying uh, to lead back. No, but... no worries. There's, there's a lot of, you know, good stuff in there. I actually forget what you, I asked. Well, you asked about Blue Ribbon. We were talking about the mental side. Well, you asked about Blue Ribbon, too. No, we were talking about – No, you, no Joey, asked, Joey asked when Lou, uh, like, first, like, started or started – had the idea originally. Yeah, got it. Okay, okay, okay. thank you. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, job, Cunningham. Way to be. <laughs> It's like um, we talked about that way oh, before. No, 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 no. You're right. Yeah. Transition. So I don't know. I thought that was getting to something, but um, that whole story about being undrafted. Anyway. Um, oh, yeah. Right. This is what I was saying. So uh, that year, the, being the lockout, I never got that full offseason. I never got the OTAs, the workouts, and a full camp. I just got camp. And then the year I got hurt, I started to get the beginning. I got the OTAs, and then I got to the first preseason game, and I got hurt. So when I like letting that go and moving on, I wanted that one opportunity of the whole off season and a whole preseason. And I kept telling my agent, I'm like, tell every team, like bring me in for an off season at camp. If I suck, you cut me off. I can leave peacefully. No, I gave it everything I had. Oh, and say, is there any realistic opportunity of me getting back with anybody or not? And he called around and called back. He's like, most likely not. Your chances are slim. You're in, you've had the injuries. You've missed two years. Most likely no one's going to bring you back. So it's kind of what I need to hear. It wasn't what I wanted to hear, but what I needed to hear. And then I moved on and I started to look for something to pursue. Uh, what was it going to be and what I want to do? I want to do something on my own. I was passionate about fitness and, you know, uh, but let, let me say that I, I really appreciate the underdog brand. I think that's cool. And uh, I think that definitely speaks to me and kind of my path. I've, I've always considered myself the underdog and, you know, high school going into college, not feeling like I, you know, was going to even play there, uh, have a good career. And then being an underdog, getting into the NFL, didn't think it was going to be a chance and, you know, now with business, I'm sure you've heard the same thing. Are you guys going to play hockey or you start in the underdog brand? And how many people tell you, oh, there's so many, you know, apparel brands out there. Like I've had people tell me about something like people be like, oh, what are you doing? It's like, oh, we have a supplement company. We do this, we do that. I'm like, oh, man, yeah, there's so many of those out there. Like, good luck. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of funny with um, the reaction people get. And it's, uh, you know, I, I enjoy being that underdog. And I think it's cool that, you know, the brand you've created and continue to grow. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's great messaging. So. You know, keep up, keep up the good work there. It's, it's yeah, awesome. Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, hopefully uh, down the road we'll have you on again, and Blue Ribbon will be uh, built up even more than it is already. So, um, do it. We're we're excited to to keep following you and the growth for Blue Ribbon. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate your guys' support. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, well, good, good talking to you. Thanks, Luke. For sure. Thanks, Thanks Scott. Too. All right, fellas. Take care. Thanks, Talk man. To you soon. See ya. Yeah. 
unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties, we were unable to go in depth on Blue Ribbon Nutrition. Um, but the next time Scott is on, we will have him on down the road for sure. Um, he will elaborate on that and talk about his plans for the future. Um, but until then, enjoy our next episodes and thanks for your patience. Thanks for listening and don't forget to give us a follow on social media at underdog underscore brand on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can visit us at www.theunderdogbrand.com. See you next episode. Used to pull up, not swerve, no time for the snakes, time to put them in the dirt, that's word. I gotta get it, it's in my DNA, you only see the highlights, don't know what it takes. Last year, stressing, got no sleep, now I'm right between the courts, out of nosebleeds. I see the hate, they don't want